Hey everyone, welcome to another Fight Site full card preview with myself and Fainio. I am Dan Albert, also known as the most, you know, meticulous, most incredibly cynical person on this entire crew, I think. I don't know. Uh, and with me, again, is the impeccable Fenyo Sky, who watches more fights than anyone else on this damn crew. Fenyo, pretty, pretty much the guy that watches a lot of fights and makes videos, so that's me. We're here to do another full preview. Um, UFC 265, we, we get to remember the number this time, unlike last time that I yeah. had to check. Check out so, the number. Yeah, so if you listen to uh, the preview we did last time, um, we weren't that too keen. We weren't really keen on that card, and to be honest, this one isn't much better, but it does have, I think, like a few worth talking about. But for the most part, again, this isn't really a great card. And so talking about a lot of these fighters in detail, um, to be honest, I did not have a lot of time to look at a lot of these fighters, so do take what I personally say with some grain of salt for some of these, but um, generally a lot of these guys are names you probably wouldn't know anyway, so um, if you're just interested in some things, you'll hear probably those conversations about those matchups, but I think most of these aren't that interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, of names here, but sometimes they are not like in very intriguing fights. But at least, at least on the main card, there's only very known fighters that good. I mean, even if there's not that highly ranked fighters, except obviously for the main event. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's some unknowns down the line. But I think it's it's an alright card. I mean, is it worth the the full price of a pay per view? Probably not. And with probably, I mean, for sure not. But, but hey, that's that's your money, your decision. We we're here to talk about the fights, not yeah. To so tell you if you have to buy the pay per view or not. So in, in the research that we did, I've personally found nothing for the first two fights on this card, footage wise. Of uh, the first fight is between two people named Johnny Munoz Jr. and Jamie Simmons, and. I'm looking at topology and Munoz Jr. is 10 and 1, Jamie Simmons is 7 and 3, and uh, they are fighting at Bantamweight, it looks like. Yeah, so, it's a Bantamweight fight. Um, Johnny Munoz Jr. is is coming off a loss in the UFC against Nate Maness, I think it's the name. I don't know. Um, and Jamie Simmons made his debut against Jika uh, Chikatse, notably a very big featherweight. And he's a wrestler, so he was like super outsized on that fight. Um, so yeah, it's very hard to get a, a grip of these guys. Like Johnny Munoz Jr. is also like a wrestler that is very scrambly on the ground, and Jamie Simmons seems to be also like a, a more control-oriented wrestler. And I think I I tend to favor those kind of guys when I don't know anything about them. Um, Stats-wise. Um, uh, Munoz Jr. is a bit taller, and they are the same age. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Jamie Simmons looked fairly athletic in the Chikatsu fight, but his striking looked uh, very basic, to be honest. 
I mean, he was fighting a, a long range striker, a technical, fairly technical striker. So not gonna, not gonna give him a, a hard time for that. Jerry Moyes Jr. on the other hand is like the kind of guy that can set up takedowns that looks for a lot of, of BJJ submissions, if you know what I mean, like arm bars and that kind of shit, uh, concedes control a lot. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna tell you like, I know a lot about these fighters, but I've seen them a bit. And my, my impression is that Jamie Simmons is gonna control the fight on the ground most of the time. He seems like decently athletic and he won't be outside this time. So yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to find footage of either guy, so uh, all of you listen to Fenyo here. Um, which kind of leads to the second fight is kind of the same thing. I couldn't find footage on these two either. I think Fenyo found footage on the second person, but, uh, and, is- yeah, I've seen, I've seen both. So <laughs> let's, 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 let's get this one out of the way too. Um, so yeah, Victoria Leonardo coming from a loss against, um, Manon Fiorot, and she won a fight on the Contender Series against Chelsea Hackett. She was an underdog on that fight and ended up uh, winning via ground and pound. She's, like, strong, and she can wrestle against the cage. Not, like, actually wrestle, but she can find those MMA takedowns. Like, she can grind you up against the cage, and she's very strong. Uh, Melissa Gato, on the other hand, she hasn't fought, she's a, she hasn't fought in like almost three years. And in her last fight, she was getting like taken down at will. And she ended up winning by, by Kimura from guard. And you know how often you see those in high level MMA. So yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if Gato has like some hype behind her or anything, but I think it's for me, it's fair to say that Leonardo should win this because also, Gato is coming from fighting in the ring, and Leonardo is like a girl that grinds you against the cage, and people that is not accustomed to the cage has a lot of trouble with that. So I'm just picking Leonardo to be strong and just do like basic MMA stuff and be able to defend submissions from top position. So yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take um I'll take the third fight on the card then um. Start up. So, Miles Johns versus Anderson Dos Santos. Um, I've only seen, I think, the last fight for either guy, but this is being contended at bantamweight again. But for me, I think the dynamic is really, really simple. So, I only saw a bit of Johns, and my immediate takeaway was, oh my god, he's so easy to back up, but at least he tries to jab and create counters. But against Anderson Dos Santos who loves to come forward and then attack with flurries against the cage or sometimes chain those into takedowns, more combinations. That's kind of in a big issue for Johns unless Johns is able to back him off. Yeah, I think uh, what Johns has in his favor in this fight is like, yeah, because Johns strikes you as the guy that just backups, but it's not like he, like, he wants to be an outfighter, but he doesn't, he doesn't seem very comfortable doing so. Yeah, he there's not, have the there's not like, like cohesion to his game yet. It's yeah. like, he's definitely not the guy who I think wants to back up, but he's like the guy I want to create space. He yes. can create those counters off of but his he jabs. Has, he but just, he has created some tools out of that. Like he has very good reactive takedowns. 
and he can and he can draw people into shots, so that's good for him. Um, Dos Santos, on the other hand, is very aggressive, and he has like like very MMA oriented um, chain wrestling. Like he he will shoot for the legs and then transition to single leg and then try to tie you up on the upper body clinch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, there's, I'm not there's sure Santos. No, One no, of the no. things that, that came, became really prevalent to me about uh, Dos Santos' pressure is, like, when he's able to put you up against the cage, it's either he mixes up those takedown threats or he's going to flurry, and those two things alone are kind of a problem if you're trying to look for those counters. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, Jones uh, has decent counters. I think he'll he'll be uncomfortable most of the time, but... I also expect Jones to have a wrestling advantage in this one, and I'm not sure uh, Dos Santos is going to enjoy that. Uh, the thing that you got to be worried of is um, Jones might shoot into a, into a guillotine, like Dos Santos has a very good one. Obviously won the, his last fight via guillotine, but he's actually very good at it. So... In the ground might be might be interesting. I mean, Jones is like is very able to control. He's very good uh, as a as a defensive wrestler, and Dos Santos is very like uh, despite being a, like a good wrestler for MMA, he's very classic jiu-jitsu on the ground, like very traditional passes, and then if he he gets to mount or back. He's always going to go for submissions. So I mean, yeah, this this one is actually like a very decent fight for low level bantamweight. Um, I think I'm picking Miles Jones here, um, despite like stylistically, I think Dos Santos has some decided advantages, but um, I expect Jones to be like two more. Too athletic for him, and also have the wrestling edge that I think is very deciding on this matchup. I don't really um, know these two that well, but like I said, I only saw just the whole ringcraft issue of Johns and thought that's kind of going to be an issue versus Dos Santos. But the other intangibles, I don't quite know. But uh, yeah, I see no reason to really disagree with any of the reads um, themselves. I, I'll probably take Dos Santos based on my limited information, but, you know. Um, this kind of leads us to the next fight in the card, which is, uh, I think, a flyweight bout. Yes, yeah. it's flyweight. It's, um, I'm always bad at pronouncing his name. It's a uh, risen veteran Manel... Is it Cape or Cape? I, I, I would say Cape, considering he's from Portugal, but... Yeah, I would say Cape, personally. Yeah, I'll say Cape, too, I figured, versus Ode Osborne. And, um, yeah, I I haven't seen enough of Cape, uh, I think, outside of Horiguchi and just uh, one or two of his last fights. Um, But definitely Cape strikes me as a guy who's probably, like, a top 15, lower top 10 flyweight that's able to contend with, like, pretty decent competition, just not enough tools to, like, really challenge the elite of the division, but he's still pretty good nonetheless. Um, and I, I think, like, some of the issues I noticed from Cape is that, like, 
he kind of seems to need to build first to establish momentum. But I'm also wondering if he's had difficulties transitioning to the cage, maybe from the ring situation that might extenuate that. But I do like what I've seen of his pressure game, specifically like the body head work, the feints, the cutoffs, etc. Yeah. And I'm guessing he struggles if he can't create those entries or has to fight in those longer exchanges, such as in his losses. But generally, I think this is a guy who has a very cohesive game going that's kind of really, really applies well to most of his opponents. Um, and then I saw Ode Osborne to see what he offers, and then I was like, oh boy, he overextends on entry and easily gets taken down in some of his fights. That's uh, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, I think this this matchup, um, it's, it's favorable in some ways to both guys. I think, like, yeah, I think Cape had trouble with... Had a lot of trouble with Pantoja, but but he actually defended a lot of takedowns and that was very impressive because Pantoja's very decent wrestler. Um, I think uh, the problem with Cape is that he doesn't have like a round uh, round winning style. Like he can have big moments, but he has trouble like putting on consistent offense to win rounds. Um, Old Osborne, I think. Um, he just doesn't have the experience against high-level guys. Like he's powerful, he has some good ideas, but he, as you said, he overextends. Um, I think uh, this is a very good matchup for Cape to show to show his his experience at a higher level. He has experience striking with actually good strikers like Horiguchi, like Kaya Sakura, um, and Pantoja. So, yeah, I think Odosborn, like, first time he stepped up in competition was against, against Kelleher. He got, he got quickly submitted, so. Um, and, and I'm not expecting Cape to do this here. Even though Cape is, like, not awful in the ground, surprisingly. But yeah, I mean, Odosborn has been, like, I mean, I, excuse the language, but I can't crash her for most of his career. And I don't know. I, I I don't have any reason to to pick him here, despite Kappa being in a two fight losing streak. I trust him a lot more on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like with Kappa, just regarding the whole round winning thing, like I like I said earlier, I feel like his problem is like he kind of has to build momentum. Like he's more of a moment to moment guy, as opposed to a kind of a stanza by stanza guy. Um. But here, I don't think that'll be much of a problem because if Osborne isn't able to create those answers versus the basic things Cape does, he's just gonna probably not get things done and then yeah. just lose as it goes onwards. Because Cape, genuinely, when Cape is able to build, like he's having more success. Yeah, and the thing is, like fighters like Old Osborne, like enjoy their, especially when they they have fought like 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 lobster competition, they enjoy their their athletic advantage, and I don't think he, he's going to have that that against Cape. Cape is like very fast, very strong, and if they go tactics for tactics, I mean, you gotta go with Cape, you know. Mm-hmm, for sure, huge kind of experience edge. Yeah, I mean the the difference in in fight amounts is not that big 
but Cape has fought like very good competition and Osborne just hasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like it's just Cape's fight to lose, really. Yeah, so moving on, uh, we go to women's strawweight. Is veterans Karina Kovalkvich and Jessica Pene. Um, so this would have been like very relevant like four years ago, but sadly both girls are like not in a great spot in their careers. I mean, both are pretty old. Uh, Carolina is 35 years old and Jessica is 38. So uh, one thing to consider for this fight, like Kovalkovic has been looking very bad in like the last three fights, I think. And she has looked considerably slower. She was pretty athletic in her prime. And and she was good like using her athleticism to like be strong in the clinch, push the pace. And those things aren't there anymore. She doesn't have like a lot of craft when it comes to actual technique. But she used to have like a lot of heart, a lot of pace. And and she was actually like a pretty smart fighter despite all her limitations. Um Penny on the other on the other hand, like always had trouble because being she's not very athletic. She's a very technical grappler, but she doesn't have a wrestling game at all. She has good long strikes, but she doesn't have a striking game. She's very easy to hit hard at a distance if you swarm. Um so yeah, what I wanted to talk about is like Kovalkiewicz uh, was supposedly uh, suffering from an illness, not sure what, but it's like a very a very severe stuff actually, and she's actually treating that now. So maybe this this is like a Jim Miller type of situation when he had Lyme for a few years and he looked very bad, and then he treated Lyme and he looked okay. I mean, we don't know for sure, but that might be a possibility. And I think if Kovalkiewicz looks anything better than she has in the last few fights, she should win this pretty easily. Yeah, I, I kind of had the same read overall. Like, um, the, the thing about Carolina was, yeah, she was always kind of that dogged, tough fighter who could kind of just out just uh, push most of her opponents until she met someone who either A, was just too crafty or someone who was just too physical for her. But um, those were kind of rare and far between back then. But, like, that's the thing that's so prevalent about her now. She just has a really hard time pulling that trigger. And it means, like, you'll see her try those things, like trying to draw out counters and then go for it, but she just doesn't have the speed anymore. And she can't really control where the fight takes place anymore because of that. But um, I don't really think Penny is kind of the um, opponent for that. Like, you can tell there's some veterans things she does with, like, striking into the clinch. But, like, I you can still tell she is pretty open on entry and can be muscled around pretty easily. Because uh, her last opponent, Godinez, like, basically just threw her around quite a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's kind of a physical thing, like, um, even if, uh, Col- um, if K- 
Carolina is still kind of has some of that going, then yeah, I feel like this is probably her fight to lose. But if not, we might be looking at kind of an ugly, kind of slow-paced fight that's yeah, lots of clinching and I don't. I, I don't really know. It might end up being just a split either way. Yeah, I think the yeah, I think the thing about Carolina is that she was when she was like decent. Her thing was like she finds a thing that works and she's not afraid to push for that. For example, the the rose fight is like the prime yep, example. Yeah, the rose fight like, for sure. Like she found she found the the clinch and she just went for it. Like some fighters like get scared of being predictable and shit but Carolina understands that if something works and you're not getting you're not getting punished for it you just go for it and I think that's always a good quality to have uh Penny on the other hand is like a very like I need to get this to the ground to win like she she only thinks about that uh, despite how the fight is going I think Penny is the kind of fighter that even if she's winning on the feet she was she would still look for the takedowns because she has that in, the, in her head that that's the thing she got to do, you know? I think Carolina is really more like a tactics fighter than that maybe if if the exchanges are not going her way, she's going to try another thing. And if she finds something, she'll keep the fighter. Um, if Carolina, I, I would expect even like other... At her stage, Carolina to be a lot stronger than Penny in the clinch, really. Yeah, I, I don't really disagree with anything. I think we kind of have the same reads on this one. Yeah. And All if right. Carolina looks like even a bit, a bit better than in the last fights, she should win this comfortably. But yeah, if not, if both are like slow, um, she could get like very low output and ugly. Yeah. Speaking of low output and ugly, the next fight, middleweight, Ed Herman is still fighting versus um, Alonzo Menafield. Yeah. Uh, this is taking place at, never mind, light heavyweight. I did not realize that. Okay. Yeah, Herman, um, Herman has been at light heavyweight for a while now. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's just... Goes to show, I'm still shocked Ed Herman is still fighting in the UFC. He's in a three-fight winning streak, by the way. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, he might be the most light heavyweight middleweight I have ever seen. <laughs> he just decided, like, fuck off. I'm I'm just going to, to be what I am. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to say about Ed Herman. I think, like... Kind of, if you watch him, you can kind of just get the gist of him. If you've yeah, ever I mean, watched it, any middle or light heavyweight, it's very slow, but he has like a bit of craft at distance. He has like a very kick oriented, despite being a slow thing going on. But uh, where where Ed Herman is like actually good is like, I mean, taking consideration what we're talking about, but uh, the clinch, he's very very decent there. Like he. He's limited, but he can manipulate ties. He can he can strike from different positions. Very actually very dangerous with knees. And in the ground, he's like solid veteran. He can control. He has submissions. And and you have to consider like in his last fight, like I think he like clearly faked an a low blow <laughs> to have like 
a good rest because he was getting his ass kicked and then came back to win by submission. Like, good. Just, just dirty veteran shit. So. Yeah, always, always foul. Just, or fake fouling. Always do it. Um, I didn't, I, as for his opponent, um, Menafield, I, I don't really feel like I have a read on him that well, like, in terms Manifield, of his process. The whole, the whole Menafield thing is being, like, super strong, super powerful, and nothing else. Yeah, it's like, like th- that, that's the thing about him. Like, he seems like one of those dumb power horse guys, but then, like, when he runs into a guy who's a bigger, stronger guy like OSP. It's like, oh shit, my game doesn't work. Yeah, I think, I mean, he he was having success against OSP because OSP is losing like a bit of speed nowadays, and many feels pretty pretty fast. But then, like, OSP kept cool, and many feel was like clearly getting frustrated and tired exchanging with him, and then he was he just got fucked up. And then in his last fight, it seems like he absorbed OSP powers and just bombed through yeah. the guy. So, so what the fuck was that about? We don't know. But yeah, I mean, this fight is like the typical like two outcomes. Like it's either like many feels gonna gonna punch Herman very very hard early in the fight, and Herman is going to die, or Herman is just gonna take him to Bedrock Nan and he's going to. To beat him up late. Yep, it's either it's, one of the other. I don't see anything else going on. It's a light. Fight. It's a light heavyweight fight. And know. it's one of those, you know. It's like if the if the old guy, and and that only happens in light heavyweight. Like in light heavyweight, is the division when the old guy usually has the cardio advantage <laughs> because he can keep cool. Like he, like Herman probably doesn't have an actual better gas tank than many feel. But during a fight, he has a better guessing, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add here. Um, I, mean, I don't, I don't really have a pick. Yeah, I think like Herman having three weeks, three wins in a row in 2021 is too much. So I pick him <laughs> by knockout. I think so too. Um, he's pushing, he's pushing his luck too much. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know really what's going to happen in that fight, but uh, I don't know. I'm still surprised that Herman is still in the UFC, to be honest. But he's 40 years old, so... He's 40 years old? God, yeah, he looks the part, too. Um, He's 39 what? fights. He's, he's, this one is his 40th professional fight. Good lord. Yeah. 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 Um, Comparatively, we have a young man's kind of fight next, and... um. I think you were talking beforehand that this one's kind of hard to call. So it's Draco Rodriguez versus Vince Morales at 135. Um, why do you feel this is hard to call? I mean, um, guys that both guys that don't have like a very defined process, I think. Yeah. Um, and they have like a common opponent in Ayman Sahavi, and Sahavi against Morales just like did nothing in the whole fight. And then in the Rodriguez fight, he just clanked him with an overhand, right? So, yep. Yeah. So nothing to compare there. And other than that, like, like, Draco is like your typical, like, uh, contender serious guy. 
that had a flashy finish and Dana White was like, oh, I like this guy <laughs> for no other reason. Yeah, um, Rodriguez's whole thing is like, he seems to like to come forward, but like he's like the kind that just throws a lot of spamming overhands with like no telegraph or like barely any variation. Yeah, he's, he's and it's very, like, like a throwback fighter that it's like get low and throw right hands. And if you take, I mean, if you get taken down, he he does like the typical like guard submissions, like triangles and numbers and shit. Good. Yeah, it's just like he's he just seems like that guy who's just all offense, but like no cohesive like ancillary tools around that offense at all. But then there's like Morales, and like the only things I've really watched of Morales is like him getting his leg chewed off because he has, like, no punishment to, like, any feints and just gets kicked over and over again and has, like, he barely tries to, like, counter them with punches at all. Yeah. And doesn't seem like he has any ranged kicking game. And also, I don't really know what to think of Morales all too much. Yeah, I mean, this this one is kind of hard. I mean, I guess Rodriguez is, like, the more physical fighter. But I think uh I think Morales um will be helped by his experience against like a higher level of competition here. Mm. And yeah I don't know, I mean he seems to have more variety and this fight is so random that even that could be a deciding factor. Uh, but yeah, really hard call, and I guess uh, Rodriguez is the favorite here. But yeah, I, so, I feel like Rodriguez so. probably is the favorite, just because like most footage of Morales is just his leg getting kicked off. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like it kind of feels like, and, and even then, like although Dr- Rodriguez kind of spams like overhands, like I've seen Morales not really have much of a pocket game. So, yeah. the, but the, but on the other hand, like. Um, but the thing about Morales is, like, he's very, very tough. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. Like, Song Yadong was beating the shit out of him, and he didn't quit for a second there. Mm-hmm. And and that might be a problem for a for a guy like like Rodriguez that is, like, accustomed to win, winning, like, quick fights. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, yeah, you, you never know, especially when when both guys, like, don't have a very deep game. It just might come to toughness. Either way, like, I don't have a good read, but I'm just picking Morales because of the experience advantage. But yeah. Rodriguez should be the favorite, I think. Yep, I agree with that. Um, Bobby Green versus Rafael Fiziev. Um, uh, Rafael, I guess, because he's not Brazilian, but... <laughs> yeah. I, I've, um, I, I've got some questions about the day Fiziev kind of fights, like, someone who's more committed to, like, cutting him off. But he's such a compact pocket threat, not just, like, with his speed and accuracy, that, like, he's kind of just difficult to engage. But the one thing that's really, really apparent to Fiziev is if you're not that aggressive cage cutter, you can catch him on the retreat a bit. But in terms of, like, chaining offense into the pocket off of, like, the hand fight into kicks or into counters or vice versa, like you can see against Moicano, just Fiziev is probably one of the more dangerous guys in the division. Yeah. 
especially when you pair with his sheer speed. Um, he's kind of just that one guy that you really don't want to have like those dangerous layered like exchanges with at all. Yeah, I mean, I mean the thing here is that Bobby Green is like losing yet. Uh, he's losing an edge on physicality at this point, mm-hmm. and and that's that's kind of sad because that this fight would be a lot better if he was a bit younger. Green is um, Green is never really someone I've had the best read on, but like I do think Green. His effectiveness has always kind of been facilitated by some of his pocket advantages yeah. and just kind of his feints. Uh, but if he, I think, but if he, I think in a in a pure in a pure boxing exchange, like I I still think like Green is better equipped than Fisiev. Um, Fisiev is obviously a lot more powerful and mm-hmm. has like great timing. But Green defense in the pocket is actually very good. Like it's not just yes. the shoulder roll meme. He's actually like good defensively. He catches some pitches with counters. And he, he hides a lot. He, he always talks about how he hides behind the shoulders, and it's true actually. People hit shoulders a lot against Green. Like, uh, in his last fight, I think like, and, and sometimes it's, it goes against him. Like, Thiago Moises lost a lot of exchanges in the pocket, but he was throwing more. And judges just don't know what they're watching, so they thought like, okay, I guess Moises is outstriking him. Yeah, I think sometimes mm. Green kind of likes to watch his work a bit too much, which is always yeah. been like he's had a hard time getting up there. Plus, like, if he really doesn't have, like, those things working, and, like, things don't really um, go out for him, but I, I'd argue he's probably the best and craftiest pocket fighter because Eve has fought in the UFC so far. Plus, yeah, like, I mean, um, well, kind of is very good putting combinations together, but the but pocket is not where he wants to be at, at all, you know? No, Moicano panics whenever he gets into the pocket. Like, uh, just, he's too, like, willing to, like, throw for the sake of throwing instead of, like, yeah. setting things up. And he was, he was, he was having good success putting combinations together against Fisiv. He was finding him a lot of the time. But Fisiv just, like, said, fuck it, and I'm going to counter even if I'm getting hit. And then Moicano's chin was there for the taking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could happen to Green too, even if Green is a lot more responsible with, with his defense when he goes in that kind of places. And he's, he's a lot more aware because that's like his, his thing. I think like Green is gonna have trouble with the kicks. I think because he's like, Green when he wants to is a very good defender of kicks. He can, he can parry them, he can check. But most of the time, he's, like, in boxing mode, and he's, like, very heavy on the on the front foot, and Fisiev kicks so fucking hard. You don't want to get your leg kicked by him. Yeah, I think, um, like, the thing is, it feels like Green has a lot of tools to, like, give Fisiev just some tricky, like, situations, but it's just, like, he doesn't have, like, the cohesive game or, like, the ancillary skills around it to just kind of really, really capitalize on those things. Yeah, uh, Green is, like, very skilled in a lot of different areas, but as you said, he just doesn't have, like, a very thoughtful connection between them. Like, I, am, one... I am curious, because yeah. um, I don't have a good read of Fiziv's, uh takedowns. I know Green is a very, very willing, like, takedown threat, like, uh, if things aren't going too well on the feet or if he needs to push, he's willing to do that. So that if Green is struggling with the optics or how the feed is going, that's probably going to be his 
backup plan, and I'm curious how Fazeev might deal with that if that isn't something he deals with well. I, but My guess is that the Green is going to probably be able to take Fazeev down, but Green is not very good at controlling people in the ground. He has <laughs> like a, a good back take and stuff, but Fazeev is so compact that I I don't see that going too easily for him. Um, I don't know, like Tiger Muay Thai guys, pretty decent at scrambling and avoiding being controlled on the ground. And generally, um, I think Green is going to have some some success in the pocket, but then he's going to get hit hard because he's not as fast, and Fisiv is like huge punch puncher. Um, Green, Green, I think, it's going to give you like new information against uh, about Fisiv, but I... I just think he's too old and getting kicked when you're old sucks. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, I'm picking Fisia for that reason most, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very least, like, we just have some interesting dynamics to yeah. go off of based on what we've talked about. But, um, I really, I really hope we see some, some pocket exchanges, some, some clinch exchanges. Those, those should be very interesting too, because Bobby Green's pretty crafty in the clinch. Oh yes, he has, for he sure. He has like actual Muay Thai experience, so that should be interesting. All right. Um, speaking of interesting, this next fight's actually kind of good. Uh, yeah, at bantamweight, it is Song Yadong versus Casey Kenny. Yeah, this and, one's um, pretty good. Yeah. Do you want to start this off? Um, I think this one should be contested. Uh, on the feet mostly, like Kenny, um, actually very very good wrestler. I think he was a, like a judo guy, um, an accomplished judo guy. I think he he did judo at college and he was also a wrestler. Um, but Sadong has proven to be like very hard to wrestle. Um, so yeah, I mean, this one should be striking, and I think Sadong um, like. Actually, very talented as a striker, like in the sense that he has good time, he understands what's going on, but his game is not very deep, and I think that that was exposed by Kylo Phillips, who who kind of figured him out, like jabbing a lot and mixing up the takedowns. And Kenny um, actually like has a very uh, a pretty good process going on on the feet. Um. I think um, Kenny's also like good at like mixing the kicks, changing levels and stuff. And I think he can put layers on Song Yedong. And that I'm thinking favorite Kenny here. Not super confident about it, but I think his game is better put together. And I think on, in the long run, he can start having success. And he has been like... Defensively, like, he's not perfect. He, he gets hit clean a lot, but he's also, like, pretty aware. So he hasn't been hurt by any of the fighters he has been facing lately. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm going Kenny. But this should I be... Feel like, I feel like this is a fight that's probably, like you said, going to be contested, but it feels like a fight that's kind of born to end just up in, like, some action-y, like, split with how both yeah. guys fight and yeah. how they match up. Because it's like, 
it's interesting because, like, both of these guys are flawed on the feet, but you can see, like, they have, like, ideas going. It's just how they put the ideas together just differ. It's like, um, the, the thing about, like, Kenny is, like you said, like, you, you see those little ideas, like, um, like, he's more systematic. More systemic, yes. Song, yeah. Like, um, like, putting counters in, like, when Cruz, like, tries to draw things out with his jab, like, Kenny starts to, like, hand fight that jab to set up his own counters. But, like, the thing with Kenny is, like, just his defense is so inconsistent and finicky. Because it's, like, he still gets opened up by Cruz flurries. And Cruz is the guy who constantly throws him those loopy punches off balance. Even if they're, like, janky timing, that's never a good look. Yeah. Um, But you can still tell, like, he has the ideas going. Like, he's a very thinking kind of fighter as he yeah. goes on. Whereas Yadong's kind of like, I, I think Yadong strikes me more as a reactive kind of guy. Yeah, he's more like a feeling guy. Like, 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 like if he sets, he's, he doesn't set up stuff. Like, he finds openings. He sees stuff in the fight, you know, if you know what I mean. For sure. Like, um, and it kind of seems like he's a little too content to those fights, which allows guys like Vera and Phillips to, like, really put that pressure on him to not let him do those things. Or at least do those things way less. The thing is, Yadong's like capable of competing in those fights because he's tough and like skilled enough to do that. But the fact that he's in those close fights in the first place is just an inherent sign that he's got this ceiling going for him. And so it's just like, but against like Kenny, who is that guy who's very inconsistent, it's like in ways that Vera isn't, for instance, it's. It, it's really hard to call this fight, and I, I don't really know until we see it that we may not get answers. Yeah. Yeah, I think this one is, like, yeah, it's a fight that, that's going to give us answers. I think, like, but, I mean, if we're going to find analogies here, like, I think the Netherlands good is a good sign for Kenny for this one. I mean, it's not like good is very similar to Yadong, but it's a similar level of uh, primarily primarily a striker. And and I also think like uh, Kenny won the the cruise fight to be honest. So he's riding like like good momentum there. Like he's actually like has a good thing going. On the other hand, like Yadong came from like. He didn't win against Vera, I think. I mean, it was super close, but uh, I gave Cheeto the fight. And then against the Kylo Phillips, he looked like like he has even regressed a bit. Like Phillips, Phillips didn't even have that hard of a time against him. And Phillips, like you, you, you saw what happened to Phillips on the next fight, like lost to Piva. So, so yeah, I mean. Kenny has been a lot more consistent despite the losing to to Cruz that I don't think he actually lost. Um, Jadong's super strong, very talented, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's lacking this, this big picture ideas that Kenny has. You there, Dan? Yeah, I'm still here. Um, yeah, I have nothing to... Add really, I agree with all of that. Yeah, I, I just have, I don't really have a pick to make. I think we just would need to see the fight to find out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Speaking of seeing the fight to find out, that's kind of my read for the next one. 
Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Now, I admit, like, my film study for these two was, like, way, way less than some of the other big later fights. But, um, and I think part of it's because I don't really get either of them too much. But, like, these are just very generic reads. I, I feel like, based upon what I saw, Torres is someone who likes to push that pace and look for the clinch. And you can tell at the very least she has the veteran, like, experience going for her. Like, she has, like, goals she's looking for. Yeah, I think, and I think Torres, like, lately has been, like, overcoming that trouble that she had in the mid-career of being aggressive. She's back to that. I mean, against, like, against lower level opposition, you could say. But this is still a good sign for her that she's been more aggressive because she has the tools to be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it's a good... It's a good thing to see. Um, Hill, on the other hand, like, she has improved so much since the last fight that watching the first fight won't, won't tell you, won't tell you much about the, the rematch. No, but, the, the, the first fight won't tell you a lot because nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Hill was a lot worse and the fight sucked, so. Yeah, Hill's, Hill's weird because, like, you can tell she's, like, very willing and tighter on the exchanges than Torres is, like, more of those moments than, like, the big picture. But it's, like, you don't really get, like, her, like, goals because of that. Because it's, like, oh, she'll take herself out of stance, and, but she's, like, committed to those engagements, those little things. And so it's kind of, it, it kind of feels, like, really generically, based upon what I saw, like, someone who wants to look for those, like, singular big goals versus yes. that that moment-to-moment thing, and those fights are never fun to try to call. Yeah, I mean, I mean th- yeah, the thing with Hill is, like, she gets into exchanges, hoping to not to win, like, exchange after exchange, but to find, like, this big moment, and she's actually pretty good at that. Like, you get into the same exchange with Angela Hill, and she will find, like, a big right hand eventually, or or she will start reading, like, big kicks, and, or, or like finding like a quick transition to the clinch. She's very like crafty in that sense. Tisha game is like more defined. Like she has these these specific things she wants to do. Like she wants to do the side kick and then she wants to do the swarming, and then close distance to the clinch. Look for the takedown. Um, Hill is more like like. Like the the strategy for for Angela is more abstract, I think. Mm-hmm. But but she still has like like a strategy in mind. She's not like um, only a tactics fighter. I think she like builds a way to win rounds. I think, and I think that's why Angela would be better suited to fight five rounds despite her cardio not being great because she actually makes good reads. I think um, Tisha is. The thing is, like, she's good out of the gate, but she doesn't make great adjustments. If she has success early, though, she can build a lot of momentum because she has a lot of options and she's super physical. Yep, I I don't really have anything to add. Um, I feel like this is just another fight where we would kind of just need to see the dynamics play out. I mean, yeah, it's... They're both in weird places, too. I think uh, he'll won against Mitchell Watterson, to be honest. And then she'll good against Ashley Joder. 
I'm not so see she won versus Claudia Claudia, so she's actually like in a in a very long uh, winning streak should be she should be in a very long winning streak and against pretty good opposition. And Torres was like actually in a very bad like skip. I mean when she lost to Marina, to Wei Li and Joanna in that super high level opposition higher than Angela Hill. But she lost those fights, like, bad, you know? Yep. And and now she's, like, in a winning streak, and she looked dominant on those. But, like, the the drop the drop in, in quality was very big. So, super hard to tell where they are. So, yeah, I mean, it's watch and see, I guess. Yeah, um... Speaking of watching and seeing things, so did you all know someone finally solved Neil Magny's clinch hypnosis? Well, <laughs> that guy fights fights in a, our next fight discussion. Michael Chiesa is returning against Vicente Luque. And um, this is actually uh, very good. I like this fight. I like this fight, too. Um, I don't really have a read on the whole wrestling situation because it's not really my niche. Because I don't really get Luke's um, thing well. But uh, this kind of feels like um, very, in layman's terms, Chiesa needs to get this fight to the ground or in grappling positions, or he's going to get left hooked. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Chiesa, uh, he's going to play to be playing a dangerous game here because he needs to be aggressive here. Because if he just give Luke time and space on the feet, he's getting fucked up. <laughs> and and in, if he's aggressive, he he runs the risk of getting left hook dead. But he needs that because he needs finding the clinch and he needs it fast. I mean, and being aggressive against Luke can work. I mean, it has worked before. Because if you get Luke backing up, she just like the he just like defaults to the high guard and he's very exploitable there. Yeah, the the only real danger with Luke is that he is very very willing to like use an opportunity to its fullest to counter you, Ooh, especially yeah, I mean, with the check hook. But and, it's and especially like if if there's a guy in Walterway that already needs one shot, that that's Luke. Like his left hook is so heavy, so so good. Yeah, it's yeah. Like that's one thing that we can't exaggerate enough. Luke is very dangerous and accurate. Huge it's, um, Yeah, it's like um, Luke. I I think has started to also up those early like start problems you've seen behind a jab and like counter kicking in his last few. Yeah, I mean, but it's like the the tactics behind the jab aren't great, but he jabs very well. Like mechanically, he's super straight, hits hard. And, and, and it works well for him because it gets to people to start changing with him. And not a lot of people are, are gonna be better at, at exchanging against Luke. No, it, it, it's like Luke is still gonna have his ceiling in his own way because like, he still is like, just like that high guard with like no head movement or repositioning. But like having fuck you power and like yeah. ability um, and those the, exchanges. The funny thing against Luke is that when Luke pressures and he's the one initiating uh, movements, he actually moves the head very well when he's punching. 
like you always see Luke, he, he throws the, the left hook and he will always fade back or dip to the right side. And then he throws the right, the right hand and he's always leaping to his left. So when he's attacking, actually he looks great. And then when defending, um, he just puts the high guard up. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's, uh, Luke is the kind of guy that like, um, it's not literally a case of his offense is his best defense, but it's kind of like there's a difference in how effective he is when he's on the offense versus on the defense. Yeah. And I think, um, Kiesa should, should swarm here, even if he's, if it's dangerous for him, because if he gets in, to like slow exchanges against Luke, that's not going to work for him. Yeah, it's um Kiesa's gotta like Kiesa I don't think is as durable as like unkillable face attacker Brian Barbarina is. Yeah outside and, of the body shots, but um And Barbarina got finished. So. Yeah, Barbarina got finished to the body and still was like rocked a bit on the feet. Yeah. But it's like um yeah, and it's like Kiesa still has kind of some of that same jank, like resetting and crossing his feet. But like yeah. has shown like the willingness to like attack and um hilariously kicks the body because you know body shots don't work, Rick Little or something. But um yeah. But um it's weird Kiesa's process getting that body lock is weird. Cause it's like he kind of seems to wait a lot. Yeah. Or like seems to look for it kind of um, whimsically, like randomly, instead of like it being the main thing. And it's like, I feel like this is a fight he needs to fight with a sense of urgency because if he doesn't, he's gonna die. Yeah, and but yeah, Kiesa is like, it's like not urgent about looking for the clinch, but he actually has good entries there. Like if you get like, yes, he. He won most of the of the clinch exchanges against Magni because he was always entering in better terms. He, he had also better position with his by feet. ignoring Magni's magic powers. I mean, the thing about Magni is that he convinced you to go into the clinch, but what happens if you're better on the clinch than him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the problem for Kiesa is that Luke is super strong defending takedowns in the clinch. Because he was, he has been training with Usman and Burns for, for like a million years. And, and I mean, you saw like Woodley uh, might suck on the clinch, but he went for the takedown and it was not there at all. Like Luke knew everything about his takedowns. And I, I'm granted like uh, Burns already did a camp for facing Woodley. And before that, Usman also did a, a camp for Goodly. But I think, um, if anything, the uh, Lucas camp, uh, Henry Hoof and company can't kind of scout fighters decently. And I think Luke will come like with an idea of what Kiesa likes to do. And Luke, like, as I said, very solid defensive fighter. He's also like very good at defending leg attacks and Kiesa is not very good at leg attacks. So I'm, I'm not expecting like Kiesa to, to exploit Luke's high guard to shoot under that. And even if he did, like Luke is super fast at grabbing an underhook and going and backing up to the cage. The, th- the problem with Luke's clinch is, is that other than being great at defending takedowns, he doesn't do much there at all. Like he, he just kind of chills in the cage and waits for, 
for it to finish and just go back to punching mode. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add to this. Um, I, I think it's basically just like he a, has a tightrope, and if he can't walk it, he's going to fall. And yeah, and even even if Kiesa like gets takedowns, like it's not granted that he's going to win because Luki is like yep. an actual an actual good grappler. He's not just like a meme submission guy. Like yeah, he's he's very fast at finding submissions, but he has like good fundamental like game on the ground. So I mean, Kiesa, I would say, is obviously the better grappler, but it's not free. In the ground at all. No, no, it doesn't feel like it. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Kiesa like gets like a takedown and Luki just like, just get back slowly to his feet. And, and if it goes late, like, I'm not sure if I can trust Kiesa in this kind of fight to have, to have a good gas tank. And Luki, ridiculous cardio sometimes, like, Especially the Barbarina fight makes no sense. And, and the other thing is like, Kiesa, it's going to be very nervous exchanging with Luke, especially once he feels his power because mm-hmm. it's, this is not a lightweight, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is like, Kiesa's opponents at Welterweight have been RDA, who was basically just a big, RDA wasn't even really a big lightweight. Even I, don't I think. mean, he was he's pretty big. Yeah, not not, not like, dimensions wide, but, it's, but he's very heavy. But but it's like but yeah, Kiesa, R- Kiesa, RDA couldn't really pull the trigger physically the way he used to. Yeah, and Kiesa was way bigger than. And him. it's also yeah. and then there's Magni, but we've been over that already. Yeah, yeah, I don't really yeah, think, I think there's anything else here. Yeah, I think like yeah, Kiesa, Kiesa has been having uh. A sizable strength advantage in his like in his whole like welterweight run, like old Condit, old Sanchez, old RDA, and then Magni. And now he's fighting like a guy that's stronger, that is an actual big welterweight. I'm not sure he's going to like that, to be honest. No, I don't. I don't think he will either. Speaking of um, possible abuses. Um, Jose Aldo is fighting Pedro Munoz, and people are not happy about this matchup. Yeah, but, but I mean, even even as as old and as Warren as Aldo is, this is a great fight. Oh yeah, this is. You know, it's interesting because I was um, even when I've kind of been silent about this fight, but um, I think this is kind of a test for Munoz as much as it kind of is like a where are you at, Jose Aldo. Yeah, because it's like the thing with Munoz is Munoz is basically immortal. I don't know how, but he's like unkillable. But he kind of has a bit of what Luke does, where it's like his best offense is also kind of his best defense. But he's more he's craftier than Luke is with his shot variety and pressure, Uh, especially with the kicks themselves because of how he sets them up. But it's like he's still um, – his defense isn't the best either, and he's still pretty open on the counter because he can default to covering up too. It's um, like Rivera and St- Sterling like show that like even if you just throw a lot of volume out and close the door on him, like he really, really struggles to get in. 
And but the problem with sorry Munoz is always going to be that he's willing to fire back, like take one to give one. On but there is a consistent pattern that Munoz will consistently like cover first before firing. Yeah. And and against Jose Aldo, who is still probably one of the best guys at like picking up on that little like feint to make you guard and then hit you to the body, that's still kind of like an issue. Because the other thing is like Aldo is still also the master of like denying like opening entries and kicks altogether. Because because yes. uh, he'll be the first guy Munoz has probably fought who actually knows how to deal with the damn cast. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like uh, Munoz won won his last fight against Jimmy Rivera, the, and Jimmy is like a very good pocket boxer. But the thing is that Munoz made the boxing close by completely murdering Rivera's lead leg. And and I'm not sure that's gonna happen against Aldo. I mean, there's a funny thing about this fight is like, I mean, I guess everyone is seeing Munoz as the younger fighter, but they're the exact same age. Yep. Munoz is actually a month older than Aldo. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, but Munoz has a, a style that is like bad news for old people too, like like kicking the legs super hard. And being yep. immortal, not getting tired, that's that's all terrible. And and if we're talking about like the fight game, like Aldo is clearly the other fighter here. But on the other hand, um Aldo is also a lot of bad news for Munoz. Like he's going to deny the calf kick, he's going to make him look silly when he tries to enter the pocket a lot of the times. He's going to exploit so. Munoz's like limitations with like cagecraft and like certain ranges. Because it's like, if Aldo's going to be able to do that to Piotr Jan, like, two years ago, and if he yeah. even has, like, a fraction of that same, like, focus, uh, like, he, he showed against, like, Vera, then it's like, yeah, of course Aldo's going to look at those things and go, like, oh, so you're dangerous in the pocket, but you're really, you're relentless, but you're kind of plotting, so I'll just kind of avoid you. And I think one one of the things that uh, Aldo... Of Aldo is having troubles with is like seeing straight shots. And that's not Munoz's thing. Like no. he jabs, he jabs decently, but he's not like going to put a, a, a tight one two on your face. He's going to look for hooks and Aldo is just going to reach his shoulders and he's gonna like slip this way, whip this way and get out in an angle. So yeah. Yeah, the um, breakthrough kind of like Aldo's defense. Like, Jan had to really put in, like, that pace, but Jan also is a lot faster than Munoz and is a lot more versatile in the pocket. Yeah. Jan also mixes up the body and head consistently. And so it's like, Munoz also has, like, that limitation here, because Munoz doesn't put those, like, big combinations together unless, like, he's engaging guys. And it's like, Munoz is kind of more of a clubbing, like, single-shot guy, so it's like... This is this is kind of a test for like Munoz's adaptability, but kind of. Yeah, just... I think this is a fight where Munoz has to find a way to like get Aldo in deep waters, make him tired. Because like if you go tactics for tactics early on, I mean even even as old and as short as Jose is, I don't think Munoz winning that. No, it's um. Yeah, like, this is a deceptively hard fight to call, just because it's, like, Aldo has all the tech edges, it's just, like, 
how much can Munoz enforce that physical discrepancy? If at this was, point? if this was like John Jose Aldo, I, I don't think Munoz will, would win a minute of this fight. Not because Munoz is not good, but because this is a terrible matchup. If this Jose is Aldo was like, incredibly hard matchup. 100%, yeah. He just uh, has all the skills to negate everything that Munoz wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I don't really know until we see it, but it's like, my gut read is if Jose Aldo can do the things he showed against Jan, unlike two years ago, Oh, for like those same like opening three rounds, I think we can be pretty confident in picking him to win that fight. One thing that Munoz can do on this fight is like making, like just waiting for Aldo to, because if you wait, Aldo is going to jab because he's a very good jabber, and then he could find the the calf kicks. One, and if, Aldo, and if Aldo is not defending them, he's not going to like those because. Munoz kicks super hard. Yeah, one thing um, I also do want to add is part of what makes uh, the current iteration of Jose Aldo effective is guys responding to the feints, especially to the body shots. Like, you could tell against Vera and even against Jan, like, Aldo still was messing with the feints very well. Yeah. Um, I don't really know if Munoz is that guy, but Munoz might be that guy who could go, well, you're going to faint at me, I'm going to try to punish those faints and just kind of ignore them. But I, I never really know for sure until I see it that you're really that guy. Yeah. And one thing, yeah, one thing too is that uh, lately in, like, late career, Aldo has been getting a bit predictable with the left hook to the body. And he throws that very wide. It's not, technically, yeah. it's not a very good punch. I mean, he hits super hard and he's fast. He's still fast to this day, but he throws super wide and he has been punished for it by Jan and also Chito started to find the, the counters to the left hook to the body late in the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like, um, it, it's like, that's always been one of Aldo's problems. It's something Ryan, Hacks, etc. have always pointed out. Aldo still throws with 100% power and it's like... Yeah, he's, he doesn't have it like... Touch, uh, touch he doesn't touch. have a damn off switch. Yeah, no, he he just throws like a million percent. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't really um I don't know how this fight's going to really go, but like because uh, Munoz is in some ways kind of a faster starter than Jan, but he's just not as versatile and probably not as adaptable, but then again, no one at bantamweight is as adaptable as Jan. But I think this will be a really really good test to see like um if Munoz is still on that same level, like, how f- deep his tricks go against a really tough, like, style, I think. Yeah, and, and one thing to consider, as I said, as I said, um, Munoz is the same age as Aldo, so he could lose, he could lose a step any yep. moment now, too. So maybe if, if Munoz has lost a bit of durability, like, maybe he has a lot of trouble with Aldo. And yeah. and if he has to play this like dangerous game that he needs to drag Aldo into deep waters, maybe he's not that guy anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a real possibility because like even at 35, like um, and Munoz has taken some horrific shots in some of his last few. So I mean, like... even even Frankie Edgar caught him with huge shots. Yeah, has uh, Edgar? This has always made me wonder: Has Edgar always been an underrated hitter? I've always been confident. Yeah, I mean the thing—the thing is that um, Edgar 
can't punch hard when he's flurring because he doesn't have mechanics for that. And most of his career in lightweight was finding like guys that were like a feet taller than him and he was flurring all the time. But yeah, when, when Edgar is planting his feet, actually pretty decent puncher. I mean, it's <laughs> not only, it's not only the, the Chad Mendes knockout, it's like the gray men are knockout. Uh, he, he hurt, uh, Charles Oliveira super hard too when he planted his feet. So yeah, I mean, Frankie can punch, you know, and especially yep. like like fighting guys his size, he can he can actually connect hard. Armuyus, like as you said, he's immortal, so he like no solve a lot of those punches, <laughs> but but yeah, he was getting he was getting tagged, and Shin is not forever, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I feel like yeah, on this this fight we'd have to see it play out once again. We've been doing that a lot. Uh, I'm gonna take a risk and pick Aldo by decision. I'm also picking all the by decision, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we're wrong, we'll be wrong. Hooray. Um, we're wrong, we're wrong, but yeah, there's a chance. I mean, there's, there's two ways Munoz wins this. Um, he can, he can just like cut Jose early. That can always happen because Munoz hits super hard. Or he, he needs a, like a huge third round because if mm-hmm. things go as I expect, like, Jose's going to win first and se- and most of second, like, super easy. Yeah, so, I, um, yeah, I, I have no, no reason not to disagree. So we're moving on to the main event. The main event, uh, Cyril Gain and Derek Lewis are fighting for the meaningless interim heavyweight belt, which is somehow more meaningless and existential than the actual heavyweight belt, you know. How did how long ago did Francis win the, the actual belt? Like, did he win it like two or three months ago, I think? It has to at least be two months ago. It's much. It's like three. It's like five. It's like five months if you're generous. I don't know. Like, it feels shorter than that. Not even, I don't know. not even half a year. This is so stupid. Oh my god. And speaking of stupid, um yeah, I had never watched Gain before until a few days ago. And um as I said on Twitter, you know, the very first thing I've realized was holy shit, Ryan was right. It's like Gain watched footage of Jackson Wink striking that Overeem used to do, but then added his own like shitty bouncing movement into it and just like yeah, let's just do that. But no heavyweight has an answer to that right now, so it's yeah. like game just like controls things with the most simple like things. So it's not I like but he 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 does super simple stuff, but the yes. thing I think he has a good a good feeling he has a good understanding of how those basics Absolutely. Work. Yeah. Yeah, it's like um like behind his key punch is basically like the jab. And it's not like a jab to hit. It's more like just that feeler jab to like get things going. Going and then, draw and the then he can fight. mix like the the hard jab in between. Like, I mean, the the thing is, like, game does like has like a dumb game. I mean, it's like uh, a super bare bones game, but he has good intangibles. Like, he can yep. play with rhythm. He he knows his distance very well. He under, he has a a very decent understanding of of footwork and angles, so it's it's all like minimalistic, but I think he understands all very well. Unlike yeah, and it's like, like it's just exploiting the 
the dumb meta of... That's true, because it's like... The most maddening thing about watching Gain is like, why does nobody jab with him? Why does nobody kick with him? Because it's just like... Those, those are, like, the main two things he does. I mean, Volkov, Volkov was kicking with him, but, like, Gain actually has, like, a bit of depth when it comes to kicking. Like, he has very good triggers for counter-kicking, and heavyweights hate getting counter-kicked. Yeah. That's I mean, Volkov, true. Volkov is a good kicker, and he's fucking huge. He probably kicks harder than Gain. But mm-hmm. he was... He was absolutely hating getting kicked in return in that fight. Yeah, Volkov didn't like the longer exchanges that were happening and didn't like yeah, when because, it went to transition either. Yeah, it's because like, Game was has like this priority of like number one not getting hit hard and number two like getting a good angle. And Volkov was like just trying to trade with him and he wasn't there when when he wanted. Yeah, it's like Game's whole thing is like I don't really think Gain's... There's a question with Gain, like, um, worth asking, like, what happens when he starts experiencing situations where his tools don't work or he's pushed with them. But it's like, you can tell, like, the ideas are there. Like, he's a thinking kind of guy. Because it's like, you'll see him punch into takedowns. You'll see him use that hand fight to body kick. But then there's, like... And also, the chin seems to be super fine. (laughs) Like, he's been hit by... By Volkov and Rosenstruck, there are like enormous punchers, and he was fine. Yeah, it's um, the, I I don't know um if I've watched enough of Gain to like uh really get a read on this, but uh, like my gut feeling is I'm not sure Gain has like a real inherent amount of stopping power, so that kind of means he has to control that pace and work the body consistently. I think like uh, he has trouble like. The the thing with Gunn is that he's super, like, he's, like, super right-hand dominant, but he only likes to use it from southpaw. Yeah. <laughs> so he just, like, stands southpaw and jabs people up. Um, he has, like, horrific uh, right-hand mechanics. Yeah, the oh, looping yeah. hooks are going to get him dead in one of these days. Yeah. It's, but, I mean, it, it, it's the rear hand specifically, because it's, like, he doesn't use that rear hand a lot, but whenever he does, it's like a looping hook overhand. And every time I look at it, I just cringe because I'm like, he's going to duck down as he's throwing that, and someone's just going to level change with him and punch yeah. him really hard. Yeah, he, Which kind he, of... He should, he should just, like, just drill a super good, like, uh, just get good at uh, a rear hand strike from both sides, and you're okay with that. You don't need the loopy hooks. No. They don't even... They don't even make sense into his game. It's like but, the dumber, the dumbest part of his game is throwing hooks. Yeah, he doesn't. Need Otherwise, that. um, I'd say he's he's a functional heavyweight, but he's kind of just getting away with a lot of just dumb things. I mean, and the other thing about Gan that uh, helps him get in away with stuff is he's fucking huge. Like, yeah, like he's two fifty uh, and he's jacked as shit. Like, like most most heavyweights are like fat light heavyweights and fat middleweights. Gan is not one of those guys. No. It's fucking yeah, huge. Um, and, and people hate it. <laughs> yeah, especially when they get kicked to the body. They don't like getting hit to the body up at heavyweight. Yeah. And I um, think, like, the thing about Lewis is that he's actually, like, his game is super stupid, but he's smart about it. Like, he knows what he has to do, and he, and if he has to wait, 
he's going to wait. The thing it's, is, um, I'm not sure Gunn is going to give him the opportunity to, like, find openings because, like, Lewis is just just too limited. Like, this is a fight where Gunn has to fuck up to lose. Yeah, and it's, like, the only real thing that I see Gunn fucking up is basically, like, he commits too much to the feints. Or it's just, like, he throws his damn, like, overhand wrong. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure, like, he But wants... it's, like, yeah, it's it just feels like he just basically has to mess up. Because it's, like, you can tell, like, Lewis is a willing trader. You can tell, like, he has a decent sense of, like, timing to explode in. But it's, like, Lewis just isn't that guy. And it's, like, seeing how much Blades' is pressure and, like, kicking game neutered him, like, so bad. Yeah. It's, and, and like... Gun- Gun does that, by the way, better. Yeah, and it's like, you, you see Lewis, like, play with level changes a bit, but it's like, in responses to time that shot, but it's just like, Gain isn't the kind of guy who, like, goes in on you for those level changes. He's the guy who works on the outside with those kicks, so it's like, not a fun fight for Lewis. It's... And the other, the other thing is that, like, Lewis, like, usually, like, just, like, collapses into the clinch and, takes people down from there when he can. But again, pretty solid on the clinch. Like, he has a good understanding of, of footwork, of grips. Uh, I'm not seeing it really. Like, I mean, there's there's a, a big chance that if Luis ends up on top, the fight is over immediately because Luis' ground and pound is stupid. It's, it's horrible, you know? <laughs> he fucks yeah. people up so fast there. But yeah, it's I don't like, know. And Gunn is gonna keep like a super long distance, and Lewis yeah. has been hurt to the body so much. Yeah, maybe it's like, this is the fight that he just can't take it anymore. Like I can see like that small window Lewis has, but it's basically if Gunn gives it to him, and it's just like literally, it's um, it's it's just one of those like dumb fights, really, that it's like. I mean, in the first place, it shouldn't have been made, but it's just, like, you kind of just, for, to pick Lewis, you would need him to just be better, and he's just not really at that stage. Yeah, I mean, other than the the awful Engano fight, like, Lewis hasn't hasn't beat anyone that really that good. Like, his best win is Blades, and that's, that's actually a respectable win. It's, um... Like, the one thing, Lewis, that I will say is I do not think Gon can afford to get hurt versus Lewis. No, um, no, not at all. Lewis is still probably the one guy in the division that if he does hurt you, he will probably finish you. Yeah. Actually, pretty pretty decent gas tank, and if he has to push for the finish, he's going to do it, and he's going to finish you. Yeah, he's probably going to do it, like, believe it or not. Like, he really, like, Lewis is terrible in his own way, but, like, he is that guy, like, in the division. Like, probably more than Nganu. Probably more has, than, like... Yeah, and he has avenues to finish you, too. Like, it's not just, like, swinging. He can take you down, and if he takes you down, you're dead, too. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, yeah, uh, if, you start, if you start covering up... Covering up... Uh, Lewis, he will take you down, because he's strong as shit. He's, like, 280 pounds. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's, like... Going, Lewis is, like, down. deceptively this... Like terrifying physical monster. Yeah, at heavyweight, he's super athletic. He he doesn't look like because he has like fucked up knees and shit. 
and he 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 even walks like a stiff guy, but he can throw so fast. He can throw super fast. And yeah, and like strong. yeah, his closing distance is genuinely kind of crazy. Yeah. So but it's I, like I think like Gant won't have trouble with with Lewis leading at all. I think uh, Lewis had to find a counter. Yeah. And Gant won't give him like a super easy counter, but 25 minutes against Lewis is still super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just um dumb fight, but um yeah, I I, I don't really have anything to add. I think yeah, it's pretty. I think I think it, it would be dumb. It would be dumb for Gun to try to like just win a safe one here. I think yep. he should try to get damage done on Derek because if you if you don't hurt Derek, he will stay just as dangerous for the whole fight. Mm-hmm. The, the Gun should try to diminish that. He should yeah, go, Gon, Gon should be he should working go that for the body. body. He should go for the body super hard, but safely, obviously. But he has to, he has to get uh, Luis respect in some ways. And Luis is not immortal. He has been finished quite a few times. So yeah, I mean, it would be funny to a lot of people if Gun like goes in like in this super long like decision. I mean, it hasn't been that long. He finished junior. But yeah, he's like the non-finisher heavyweight at this point because of his last two fights. But I think that the chance of him uh, finishing Luis is not that small. Just because he just kicks so hard. And Luis is going to be there to be kicked. Yep. I 100% agree. Um, I take it we're both picking Gone. Yeah, I mean, the not not the worst pick if you're picking Lewis, but you're no. you're no, just it, counting you're just counting on the other guy. You're just counting on both Lewis doing th- something right and Gan doing something wrong. That's not that improbable, but it's still like a bit of a stretch compared yeah. to just picking Gan. Yeah, if you're picking Lewis, uh, can't blame you at all. Well, I'm half tempted to just because Gon's not one of my favorite fighters, but um, you know, it's um, it, it's just one of those kind of an underwhelming main event to top yeah. off this whole card. I mean, I mean, if anything, if Gan wins this one, is a is a good sign for him against Gano because like improving Gano is basically just like better Derek Lewis at this stage. That's true. So yeah, I mean. If he can win against Lewis, he didn't have a chance against Francis to begin with. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the the interim the interim title is bullshit. It's bullshit that this fight is a uh, pay-per-view main event. But it's still, like, an interesting fight. One of the few interesting fights left in the heavyweight division. So, mm-hmm. I'm on board. I'm going to watch. Sure. Probably not legally, but, but I'm going to watch. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Um, and with that, I think that kind of wraps up this whole discussion. So if you stayed, uh, we, that is about almost an hour and a half of us breaking down the UFC 265 card. Was it better than the last one? It feels like it was. Um, some actually interesting fights, um, with some potential like divisional repercussions, not too much, yeah. but you know, um, at the very least, uh, better card than 264. 
But, you know, um, I, I think for the most part we covered everything we needed to. Yeah. Um, if we're gonna give you like, like some fights that you don't want to miss, uh, I would say like keep an eye on Fisia versus Bobby Green. That's on the prelims. You should watch, you should watch that for sure. Um, the main card actually is super solid. Like watch the main card if you mm -hmm. want to watch like decent fights. Um, yeah, I, I think tonight's uh, probably like even despite the age and all is is Aldo versus Munoz. Yeah, I think um, Yadon Kenny might be a potential banger. Yeah, so Luke could probably, be a little scary. probably gonna be fight of the night. Yeah, but um, you know, I I think uh, I think this card like there's some intrigue worth paying attention to, but uh, hopefully the next one will be better. Oh God, um, what's it, the next one anyway? Uh, oh, Volk Ortega, hooray! Yep. Mm. And we also have Valentina there. Oh no! And and Nick Diaz. <laughs> oh no! Okay, but we won't. You guys will have to wait for that one. But we'll yep. break it down for sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, anything to plug before we wrap it up? Um, so I made a video about uh, Adrian Janius, and he seemed to like it. So if the if the fighter liked it, you might want to check that, that one out. I tried to have a video on Casey Kenny this week before the pay-per-view, so keep an eye on that too. Uh, what about you, Dan? Um, I'm still in midst of when I'm not like working my goddamn jobs. I'm still writing a super long article about Vicente Saldivar, and I've considered maybe writing about Dillashaw Sandhagen. I don't know if I'll actually do it, but um, I don't know. It's been a. Th I have some thoughts about that fight, but uh, otherwise, um, you know, if you listen to this or just discovered it randomly, uh, we are thefightsite.com. You can uh, join. Uh, you can contribute on Patreon for a minimum, about $3. Join our Discord of like-minded people. I'm usually frequent on there whenever I'm not working all the time. But um, otherwise, we're a pretty approachable bunch. We're both on Twitter. Yeah. Um, we're both on Twitter. We, we're, going to re we're going to answer if you write to us. So. Yeah, for the, or try to answer. I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah. Can. Just as long as you're not a rude asshole, you know? But, uh, yeah, yeah, we're assholes too, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're nice assholes. So. Something like that. But, uh, if you listen to this whole thing, thank you so much for listening, and, um, you take care now.